It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Deck maintenance isn't fun. Move the furniture and barbecue, sand and prep, paint, seal, or get a low-maintenance Trex deck. The only colour fade you'll have to deal with is watching the sunset. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome to Jack and Payne and good morning. I'm Jack Reaver and of course, Tim Payne. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate agents. Payne, uh, welcome to the show, mate. Where do we find you this week? Morning, Jack. Uh, back in Tassie this week. So I had the week up in Darwin last week, which was very enjoyable, getting a bit of sun. Uh, but back in Tasmania now, back into training with the, with the Tigers. No quarantining for you, mate? No quarantining, uh, which was nice, actually. I wasn't up for two weeks in a hotel, so... Uh, no, I got the red eye back, no issues, straight back into the state, which was beautiful. Well, mate, it is prob- probably uh, one of the most important days in the, more, in the Tasmanian sporting history uh, with the Colin Carter review dropping today. But we've got a massive show. We've got Ricky Ponting, Eddie Ockenden, Simon Brookhouse, the CEO of the Jack Jumpers, of course, David Flash Lithgow. But as I mentioned, mate, the Colin Carter review has dropped and it's fairly promising, I would have thought. Very, very positive. Um, there'd been rumours, I suppose, isn't there, for the last sort of few weeks that Colin's hand down of his review would be very supportive of a Tasmanian team and uh, yeah by the looks of it we've come up with three points uh, a 19th license a relocated team from Melbourne or a joint venture with a Melbourne based club playing most or all of its home games in Tassie well you can scrap we the can last scratch two. that one scrap the last two for mine I was well, a bit nervous work my way up I was a bit nervous when we were prepping for the show last night and, and getting the reports in because the early mail was over here uh, from, of course, Channel 7's Tom Brown, is that the preference for the AFL uh, and that the, the Carter review was leaning to would be the joint venture uh, with a Melbourne-based playing club. Yep. Um, which, oh, look, I just... It, it's, it, I, I feel like that is just tokenism if they do that. It's not the way forward for, for Tassie footy. Um, but it's, it's coming through, and Brett Stubbs through the Mercury says that they are leading towards a 19th licence in not only the AFL men's competition, but the AFLW too, which I think is a real promising sign. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I must admit, I was the same last night when we got those early signs coming through. It seemed, again, like we were just going to be given the old-fashioned lip service from the AFL, but, um, yeah, some really positive news to come through. Um, I think the two things all Tasmanians wanted was a decision and a time frame. Are we going to get the 19th licence and when's it going to happen? Have we got those definitively? Probably not, but I think reading um, this morning's Mercury, I think all Tasmanian football fans can be thinking very, very positively about what's going to happen in this space in the next, let's say, five years. Yeah, well, maybe, it's... Maybe closer, who knows? It's probably the caveat that's been put on the um, the, the team in the 19th licence um, is, is not whilst the pandemic is going on. So clearly um, that's had a massive financial impact on not only the AFL, but nearly every organisation, sport and not sport, in, in the country and, and all over the world. So um, I, I'm really buoyant about what's what's been said here. I think that um, 
I think that it shows that that what has been the the commentary around Tasmania in terms of its uh, viability to have an actual team um, and 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 be able to, I suppose, fund it, has proven that there clearly there is a plan in place. And and credit to 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 the team that did put the uh, their time and effort into it and put that the task force the task force that that put the business review forward. Um, clearly, it's shone brightly on on Colin Carter and uh, and the process he went through. Sound case. There's no doubt they've put that forward. I think again, just just going through it, what will it mean to Tasmanians? This report that's released today. I think, like we said, I think those first, the second two points won't mean a lot. I think it's the the thought of that 19th license being given to a a Tasmanian team, a standalone team, is what Tasmanians want. It's what we've asked for. Um, whilst the other two are options, I just can't say. I don't know what you think, Jack, but I just I I think that neither of those two will be supported well enough by our public for it to survive anyway. So it's a, it's a bit of a waste of time. Now, I'm certainly um, of the belief that I don't think a relocated team would work um, and I don't think uh, a joint venture playing m- most of the games, which we, we sort of do have at the moment, um, with obviously Hawthorne playing four home games and North Melbourne playing four home games at, at either end of the state. Whilst it's great to have AFL football in Tasmania, yeah. um, I think that uh, I think that the, the 19th licence is certainly the one that... Well, I mean, the main driver of this has been been Premier Peter Gutwin. It, it, I see this. I think he sees this as his legacy piece. He's a, he's a football yeah. man, um, as we know from from listening to him on the show last week. And, and this is the one thing that I reckon he's hanging his hat on, and has been hanging his hat on, to get this nineteenth license and, and make it a sole Tasmanian team. It's uh, well, the public are, are, are going to be are, are going to be wrapped, I think, painting with this, and um, we certainly are are as well. The, the vote is the one thing that it's going to come down to, and that is the club presidents from, from the 18 existing licences that, that are across the country. Yep. We need 14. Are you, are you worried about 14 as a number? Because we know that Tony Cochran at the moment yep. has said no, so that's now we're looking for 14 from 17. Yeah, it, but is, I, I remember is, speaking to Peter last week and we asked him about um, Tony saying that he actually agreed with him at the time when he's saying no to the licence right now with the financial restrictions that are on the league even Peter agreed that it, it's unsustainable um, what we hope is when that vote's happening is that they're looking at it you know, as a, as a three, four, five year down the track when things are changed, things are back on track I think everyone agrees that right now it would be insanity to, to try and bring a team in when every other club and team is getting cut. So, um, look, I think the business case, as we touched on from the from the task force, is clearly sound. It's clearly very good. Uh, Colin Carter thinks so. Um, Peter Gutwin thinks so. So, look, if those presidents read it, um, I think we've got a bloody good case that we could be having a team down here in the in the near future. And we had Peter Gutwin on the show last week and uh, he had a few things to say here on the back of the Colin Carter report and him receiving it from the AFL. Yeah, I've made it perfectly clear that um, you know, we want to see that report before we're in a position uh, to know whether what the rollover would look like in terms of the Hawthorne North Melbourne contracts. Both of those contracts finish yep. this year and we obviously want to see content next year. But you know, I think that, that report is going to um, be important. It'll provide um, us with an understanding of what the pathway forward might look like, noting that you know, the final decision would still need to be made by the uh, AFL club presidents later this year. Do you think, Payne, uh, it, was, it was fantastic to hear Peter Gutman's insights last week into to all things sport, especially AFL. 
does the promising signs that are coming from the, the, the report lean to Tasmania maybe starting to continue to sponsor North Melbourne and Hawthorne for the for the period in between now uh, and and when that license is uh, is given to Tasmania. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'd be interested. We we might have to get Peter back on to discuss that. I'd be interested to see if he's going to do. Is he? Does he roll them over for one more year? Does it he was a bargaining tool, two? wasn't it? Yeah, and, and he has. He's done it really well. He's been bullish with the AFL at time. He's demanded answers. He's held back on both of those deals. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating to see. Hopefully we hear from him in the next few days. I'm sure we will once once he gets all the feedback from the AFL. But, uh, yeah, I think he's handled it well. Um, we're starting now to get some sort of pathway, some sort of roadmap to how it might look and get a team in. But, um, yeah, in terms of those North Melbourne and Hawthorne deals, I think maybe you now start looking at them year on year. So you roll them over next year and then we'll look at it again the year after and see where the AFL team for Tasmania's at. And a momentous day, obviously, for, for the Tasmanian sporting community and the Tasmanian footballing community. And it's a momentous day for us, too, because, well, you know, when you, you, you start a new radio program and, and you finally get put on the map when people start listening to you. And there's a little edit that I wanted to throw to you, Payne, that we, we, we got from Peter Gutwin last week, and it involved Ariane Titmus and the keys to, to Launceston. We're, we're a mover and shaker in the uh, sporting industry now. So here's what Peter Gutwin had to say on that last week. Look, I would think um, there'll be a very, very grand welcome for Ariane when she returns. Um, yeah, already I know that um, yeah, the local council in Launceston uh, has been giving uh, consideration to the key to the city. Um, yeah, she was just spectacular. Mate, I, it's one of the proudest days of Have my life. Have we made it? I'm not going to lie. Have we made it's it? It's right that... up there. This is the day I think you remember where you were, Jack. Yep. What, what studio you were sitting in. Colin Carter, who they're going to be saying, they're going to be saying the two yep. boys from Essie and Hobart there have made something happen. Ariane will be coming down and receiving the keys to, to Launceston. Uh, we'll throw the keys into the monkey park as well. She can have whatever wonder, she wants. I wonder if she'll invite us up for the ceremony. I, I would have thought that we would be hand in hand with her as she cut the ribbon to really just celebrate... Maybe a, an, an outside broadcaster, a live broadcast there. Well, too. there's a show. Maybe we do a show from the from the Monkey Park in Launceston. <laughs> from there's the something mon- for us. The infamous Monkey Park in Launceston. Well, Payne, it's been a massive week in sport. Not only AFL, but cricket as well. Our two wheelhouses. Up next, we'll turn our attention to some of the footy issues. Uh, this is Jack and Payne on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to the Jack and Payne Show on SEN Hobart. We're going to get stuck into some discussion points from this week of sport. We'll start, Jack, with your Tigers obviously coming off a win against the Kangas last week and straight into a big, basically, elimination final tonight against the Giants. Yeah, big game, Payne. Um, uh, we've had a bit of history with the Giants over the last sort of four to five years. Played them in, in reasonably large games. Uh, obviously, 2019 grand final uh, prelim, 2017 uh, when we were allowed to have crowds. But it's uh, yeah, no, it's it is an, it's probably an elimination final for for certainly us. Giants could probably lose and still get in just due to the fact they've got that two, extra two points with the bye. But um, no, big game for us. A lot of ins for the Giants. Uh, they get some some really handy players back. But uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to stay settled. We're going to go in unchanged, which uh, 
It's probably one of the first times this year that we've done it. Yeah, can you take us into a little bit of a look into the Tigers this week with the preparation for a game like like tonight? Is your focus solely on the Tigers? I saw a stat, I was watching um, some of the footy shows during the week that the Giants score are the best scoring team out of stoppage and the, and the Tigers are the worst at defending stoppage. So is that, has that been the huge focus for the Tigers this week? Is that something you look at or do you focus more on on what you're going to be doing? Uh, no, I think there's certainly an element element of the um, of the oppo analysis, and, and we know that they're a great side from scoring from stoppage. But um, you really want to um, try and minimise as much as you can their their strengths, um, their their ability to hold the ball is great as well. Um, they're a great one on one defending side, so you want to minimise without trying to skew it too much of focus on them. You, you want to find something in your arsenal that that can help. Um, take advantage of, of that or, or just even try and harve it as well. So we've, we've never been a great um, stoppage team uh, in terms of winning the, the actual stoppages, but um, we've been able to nullify them uh, reasonably well over the years. So certainly a big focus for us that we know they're, they're a really good side around the ball and um, stopping them, scoring from stoppages is certainly one aspect that we'll be focusing on tonight. Beautiful. Obviously a big, big chink in their armour though is the, is the suspension of Toby Green. Uh, his tribunal appeal has been dismissed and he misses the week. It's huge for the Tigers with everything on the line this week um, and and a big, big suspension and miss for the Giants. They'd be absolutely shattered that they didn't get him off. Yeah, well, you, you can tell when when um, when sides take it to that secondary tribunal to, 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 to hear it again, um, you know that it's, a, it's an important game and clearly uh, they sit... I think they're sitting eighth at the moment, just uh, just behind West Coast in seventh, and 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 they're the two spots that, that that there's a whole horde of sides that are battling for to try and finish in that top eight. So um, yeah, it's an important game. Um, it's the second time this year we'll be playing them at Marvel Stadium. So uh, big game for Dimmer both sides. Marvel. Dimmer loves Marvel. Loves yeah, no, he loves Marvel. We, we'll be uh, he'll be enjoying driving in there. Um, along uh, along the beach there, getting into to Marvel Stadium, but um, no, it's a it's a big game, and and unfortunately for the Giants, Toby Green, who's been their acting captain since Stephen Coniglio has been out, uh, he won't be there for them. Yeah, he's a huge out, not not just for the Giants, but I think for the whole game. But I've got to ask you, as a as a player, you look at the Green incident, you look at uh, the Fritch Fritch, is it Bailey Fritch? Yep, yep. Uh, you look at the Buddy Franklin as a as a player. Are you sensing a bit of disconnect with the MRO and the tribunal? Because certainly from a fan's perspective, it's been a little bit difficult to follow uh, and seems a little bit inconsistent. What's your take on it? Well, I think that the, the, the numbers, and certainly this week, say that there is maybe a little slight disconnect just due to the fact that two, three cases were heard this week and, and two of them were, were, were um, upheld in terms of the way uh, we saw Mason Redmond's suspension being um just put down to a fine and then Toby Green was obviously given two weeks straight off the bat uh, and then was able to argue that down to one. Uh, I, I really feel for Toby Green because I think there is maybe a, a, un, there's an unconscious bias I think to yeah. to him um, and yeah, I mean he puts himself in those in those situations. He's a combat player and you, and you love those players that, that play on the borderline because they've got that bit of edge about them but fortunately he finds himself over the other side of the edge again and, and missing a week. So um, be interesting. I've, I've always been a bit of a liker of uh, maybe just the old pub test, Payne. You get a few Absolutely. of the old old boys together, um, sit down at the local pub, have a few beers, watch the vision on a big screen there, and then get the thoughts of uh, of all the the, um, 
the punters in the pub about what they think it's worth. So I generally think that we could probably come up with maybe a um, maybe a, a better form line there than than the one we see at the moment. I think it would work. I think it's become it's become too complicated. I think it's time to simplify it. I, I mean, I watch it as a as a fan, and I've got carryover points. I've got impact. I've got how hard it was, what angle he was on. That's point seven into point. It's just it is absolutely confusing and hard to follow, and and you just don't know what you're going to get week to week. I it's one of the, the pub um, test. Yeah, three blokes have a beer together. He's hit him in the face. He's done it intentionally. That's two weeks down to one because you're. A, good fella he put an early plan whatever it is yeah. but it's, it's a scary it's a scary thing to do Payne the MRO. it is scary it is very scary heading down to AFL house when you've uh, well and I've only been reported a couple of times and never served what any for? weeks but I got done for a chicken wing tackle on Bailey Fritch actually <laughs> and and it was put to me that I meant to hurt him or or maim him um, which I certainly wasn't wasn't doing um, and I went down there, and I felt like I was I was up for some sort of serious crime. The way they were spoken to me, and then the uh, the whole legalities that go around it. I think simplify it, uh, pub test three blokes to get in there, and um, yeah, just come up with some sort of answer, and might be a bit of an easier way to do it. Keep it simple. It's always a good rule. Now, the other big discussion point out of this week is obviously the Taylor Walker. Uh, suspension. Uh, we've got some audio here from Tony Armstrong, who had some strong feelings on it. So 20, 23 years ago, uh, Spider Everett for a racial slur, $20,000 fine and a four-week ban. Uh, yet we still say that we're coming down so much harder and we've come so, so much further since then. So that's 23 years and the only, and the only difference is two weeks in games. I think the AFL and everyone involved uh, in the peak rule uh, needed to come down a fair bit harder. But then overall, how it makes Aboriginal people feel. Like, we're so often asked to be the ones who have to educate. We, we always have to, with a smile on our face, be the ones who have to always take the higher ground, not be angry, be the ones to put the olive branch out and educate. There's no place where there's more education than the AFL. Like, Indigenous people over-index in the AFL. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's enough there for people to know better and it's so, so, so disappointing and, to be quite frank, we're all pretty angry. Yeah, it's hard to argue with a couple of those points he makes there, Jack. I mean, Eddie Betts a few nights ago, I mean, for me, he doesn't know Eddie at all from only from watching him on TV and the way he plays the game. With such a smile on his face, he's so bubbly when he's in the media. To see him on and speaking like he was a couple of nights ago was was really, really sad. And to see a guy like that who says, you know, he's, he's close to giving up and he's and he's tired of it. Um, you know, what, what, what are clubs doing these days? We, I've heard the word a lot... Education, I, um, you know, I'm interested into what what do AFL clubs do? Is it something you do every year? Um, yeah, talk, talk us through how how clubs are educating players because it seems that it, it, it is still happening and happening too much. Sort of disappointed me that I wasn't able to be in there because I've uh, you obviously grow really close to to people that you you um, do work with and obviously work with Eddie Betts a few times over over certainly this year and it just it breaks my heart that um, outstanding people like Eddie Betts. Um, Shane Edwards, Michael O'Loughlin, Adam Goods, that just due to the fact of of their heritage are, are, are um, abused. For, for there is no other. There's no like they haven't done anything wrong. They've done. They haven't said anything to anyone. They're just abused because of their heritage and and their colour of their skin. And I just think this isn't gonna. 
I, I really like what Tony Armstrong said. He he's been fantastic for me, for me on and just he he speaks so well. He's been so he's been awesome in the media this week. And and what we need in the current environment is that we we don't need Indigenous people bearing the brunt of this and and being the people to go out and have to try and educate and push. We need Anglo-Saxon Australians that have had enough of this crap that, 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 that whether it's Tex Walker or whether it's um, uh, the, the weekly things that we continually see on social media that are just abhorrent. Like it's, it's, it needs strong leadership from someone and from people outside of the Indigenous space. And I mean, I've been very lucky to be involved in a football club that has really um, expanded their, their horizons and really pushed the, the Indigenous... Um, uh, profile and 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 been really welcoming to to indigenous culture and and to to what everything that comes with it. I mean, we we are very lucky at Richmond that we have uh, in the club we have we're, we've got nine players uh, that play, but we have something like forty five indigenous staff members, which certainly, as Tony says, the AFL industry is way above the index of of what a a normal business would be, and, and we certainly feel like we're we're a leader in that space as well. But there's so many great lessons to be learned from Indigenous culture, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, it it really is disappointing. And I and I think it's been a, a blight on the last well, the last certainly ten years in the in the AFL industry from, from the Adam Good stuff. Which, oh gosh, what have we learned over the last last period of time? Clearly, at the moment, it's, it's nothing. It's we're back to square one, and we should certainly not be here. And it's 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 gut wrenching that we are. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. We've been extremely lucky, certainly in an AFL sense, with so many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders, legends of our game, and it's an absolute shame that they still have to put up with the stuff that they are. Week and we in, celebrate week out. the culture as well. That's the thing. We like the Big Bash have got on board, and and we do these amazing Indigenous Dreamtime jumpers, and just something like this puts us back to to square one, as I said. And it's just yeah, well, it's not good enough. You're listening here to Jack and Paney on SEN Hobart. After the break, we've got Simon Brookhouse, the Jack Jumpers CEO, and our new import, a big signing for the Jack Jumpers. Thanks, Alex. Welcome back to the Jack and Paney show on 1629 SEN Hobart and around the country on the SEN app. Now, there's been some big news out of the Jack Jumpers this week, and we're lucky to have the Jack Jumpers CEO, Simon Brookhouse, join us. Simon, thanks for coming on. Morning, guys. Thanks for having me. No worries, mate. Now, big signing uh, the last few days. McCall McIntosh has penned a one-year deal with the club. Uh, he, he tops off, I suppose, the list now. The list is complete and the club's third import. What can you tell us about him? Oh, look, he's a really well-rounded player. He's played all around the world. He's played in uh, Belgium, Canada, Korea, France. He's, he's represented his country for Canada. and He's just what we need. He's a big body. He's a, a four-man who spreads the floor. But, he, you know, he can shoot and he's strong. He's a really high high-energy work ethic, and uh, for that spot we needed, we were really important for us to be able to get a, a player in the four spot who creates space for, for Magnet who will play in the five spot. So we're really, really happy to get a guy of such great experience wanting to come to Australia. I think that's the most important thing. He really wanted to come here and play in the NBL. Finally, uh, starting to... Well, obviously, the, the list is um, now complete, Simon. Uh, we've had our first import land, or our first player land, uh, only a couple of days ago, which is... Uh, we're starting to get them down into the Apple Isle. When do you think we'll be able to get everyone there? We asked this question last week, and we started seeing a few drip, free, drip, drip feed through now. 
Yeah, it's really difficult times. I mean, I've got, um, you know, we've got to try and get people all hard enough getting them in from Australia, mainland Australia, than it is from the US, to be honest with you. But at the moment, we've got uh, Clint Steindl's coming from Perth. We've got uh, Sam McDaniel's coming down next week. He'll go into home quarantine. Um, Jared Weeks comes in Friday to go into hotel quarantine because he's coming out of Sydney. And then uh, the two boys from Queensland, Bearstow and Magnail, coming at some stage next week. Uh, and Jack McVeigh, he's coming from South Australia. He's the easy one, so he can just come in uh, whenever he whenever he wants. But that'll also be sometime next week. So we're hopeful by we we sort of hope by the fifteenth of August we'd have most of the Australian guys here. But it looks like it'll probably be a week later now with the necessity for quarantine from particularly from New South Wales and now Victoria. And of course, the big uh, well, it's a big welcoming party there. Or it wasn't a welcoming party of one with the coach, but then the uh, nice little billboard placement in the Hobart Airport there for for Clint when he got off the plane. Will we be seeing that for for all of the players when they roll up there near the baggage lounge? Yeah, we certainly hope so. But we've um, we've been working with Hobart Airport to sort of make people feel at home when they get here and do a bit of promotion for us. So it's. Uh, They've been really supportive, and most of our players who come in via Hobart, actually a couple will probably come in via Launceston and need to quarantine. Um, but yeah, whoever comes in, we're hopeful the billboard will go up and, and make them feel at home. And the obligatory shot in front of the bird cage as well at uh, Rest Point Casino. I've been booed there for a couple of times, actually. <laughs> so I don't know whether I'll be allowed back into Rest Point, but I think hopefully I will be able to. But uh, it's it's exciting. It's it's exciting for the people of uh, of Tasmania to finally see the players and and see who we've invested in in this new opportunity. Uh, to to get going, how's it been setting it up, Simon? Has it been has it been easy or has it been fairly hard? Uh, look, I wouldn't say it's been easy. It's been challenging. I think it's the best way to put it. But it's been a lot of fun, which is the main thing. I think that you know it's quite ironic. We 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 had no players, and uh, now we've got a full roster. And we're, we're the, actually now the only team in the NBL has got its full roster. So others are still seeking their imports and a few Australian spots up for grabs there. So we're we're pretty proud of what we've been able to do in such a short time, and um, all of this amongst such unusual times with the pandemic and everything else. So it's uh, it's been tough along the way, but, you know, we, we've got to get My State Bank Arena finished as well so we can play our games there, and that's going really well, and that should be up and running by the end of September. So I think we're on track. There's no doubt about that. I just need to to get the rest of the team down here to start training and get our pre-season underway. Yeah, Simon, with, we're hearing as well the last few days there'll be it's highly likely to be a delayed start to the season. Do you think... You know, from a Jack Jumper's point of view, is, is that an advantage in terms of we can now get players down, train for a bit longer, the potential of, as it said, the My State Bank Arena being maybe ready for game one instead of game two or three? Is that an advantage that it has been pushed back, potentially? Oh, look, I think it definitely is because we've, we've been pushed back in terms of being able to get players here and having it happen quarantine. So we would have ordinarily started pre-season training on the 15th, 16th of August and we're probably back you know, two weeks now when all the boys have got to come out of quarantine. So it's certainly going to help us. Will Magnay had post-season surgery last year. It gives us a few more weeks for him to be 100% fit uh, come game one. So we're not exactly sure when the delay, if there'll be a delay, but uh, the speculation's there that it'll probably be at least a couple of weeks from the mid-October date to probably early November. So every little bit helps when you're putting, you know, 15 new bodies on the floor who only a few have played together. So And the coaching staff have only really just come together as well. So... For us, it gives us a bit of breathing space, so we're, we're very happy with that. And Simon, the Colin Carter report drops today for um, for Tasmania's uh, the sustainability of an AFL team in Tasmania. Are you are you glad you're getting the jump on 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 the AFL here? And what sort of impact do you reckon the Jack Jumper is going to have on the uh, on the Tasmanian people? 
Oh, look, I think, I mean, glad's probably not the right word. I mean, I'm a big football supporter myself. I think the two codes can absolutely coexist, and, and I think Tasmania deserves its opportunity to have an AFL team, and um, be very interesting to read the Carter report, and hopefully it's positive. But I think that, you know, for us, it, it, there will be some clear air for us in terms of growing our support and growing our membership base, which is a good thing. And the biggest challenge is always, you know, your, your commercial partners and your sponsorship deals that you can do. So, We've been really lucky. We've been to lock a number of our partners away for multiple years. So, um, I, look, I, I'm a big believer in the fact that football and basketball that you know can coexist. We play in the summer and footy's in the in the winter. And I, I think that you know for Tasmania, any sporting code that they can get in the national stage is a really positive thing. And we should all work together to get more kids out playing sport, no matter what what, what the sport is. So, if you can get the elite here, it gives them something to aspire to. Absolutely, Simon. Thank you very much for joining us, mate. We're very lucky to have the Jack Jumpers CEO online. Uh, I know Tasmanians are getting very excited with the season getting nearer and our first look at the Jack Jumpers. So thanks very much for coming on. Thanks, Simon. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. Simon Brookhouse there. Up after the break, Eddie Ockenden. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne, and thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate agents. Well, Payne, we are absolutely thrilled to be joined by Eddie Ockenden, the Kookaburra's legend, and of course, silver medalist from the Tokyo Olympic Games. Eddie, welcome to Jack and Payne. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, uh, mate, you're, uh, well, we're, at the moment, we've been planting our Olympic athletes all across the country. Um, you haven't been one of the unlucky ones that's gone to Sydney, have you, and we'll have to do the 28 days quarantine? No, we um, we got a flight back to Perth, so the hockey teams, because most of us are based here, we were able to come back to Perth, which which is really good. Uh, we're really happy to be back in Perth because we, we don't have to get on another flight. We were a bit worried about Sydney, um, with the WA border, but uh, luckily we've we've avoided that. Yeah, now Eddie, obviously a week on, mate, from the gold medal game. So much preparation, so much effort goes into an Olympic Games. Can you talk us through now how you're feeling? Um, you know, being able to to sort of assess what went on, and um, yeah, just your feelings on that match. Yeah, it's really difficult to um, to, to think about it because we're we're obviously in a hotel room, which it's actually been fine. It's, there's no worries with that, but. Um, just having a lot of time to think about it, and for me, like so much, so many things went right. Like I think our preparation was so disrupted over the last eighteen months, but um, I wouldn't have changed it because I think we just trained, we just trained so hard here in Perth, and we got a lot better um, every week without even playing an international game. So our preparation was really good. I was really happy with that, and a lot went right at the Olympics. You need a lot of things to go your way, and because it's such a long and grueling. Um, tournament, the hockey tournament, we played eight games so so much went right and then um, I guess looking back on it you, you, you're always like happy to make the final, I'd never made an Olympic final so that was a massive sort of thing to go and have a crack at but to not to not get there at the end or to draw the game and lose the shootout, that's, that's I think it's still disappointing, like that'll stick with you but um, I think overall a lot of things went right so we're really happy about everything And penalty shootouts mate in, in, in any sport are, are always one filled with Obviously, the the high of, of the side that wins, and then the heartbreak of the, of the side that loses. But then the added suspense of um, well, well, the the do over of that that last penalty. What's going through your mind as you're standing on the halfway line, and then 
all that unfolds. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I mean, it's something that we've practiced. You can't practice the the intensity and the pressure of those moments, but you can practice the other things. Like we sort of practiced um, being on halfway, looking for any um, uh, fouls or sort of indiscretions that you might be able to send to the video referral. So that was sort of like what we were doing at halfway, checking if anything went wrong that you could send to the referral. But once it's in the umpire's hands, that's really difficult. It's such a tough game to umpire. There's so much grey area and interpretation in all those sort of things. So um, it's really difficult. You never know how they're going to go. But it's, it was it's a it's a really hard thing to do for the guys that take them and for the goalkeepers. It's a tough it's a tough shootout. Like I think it looks pretty good on TV, but it's really difficult. Is there a point where you wished you were one of those guys taking that shot? Oh, I think I wish I wish I you know I wish I could have been. Good enough to do it. I think over the over the preparation, um, I wasn't consistently good enough or good enough with my skills to be able to score under pressure. So that's something that I wish I could have been good enough to to get up there because I'd like to think that I could take one. But I think my um, I proved that I, I mean I proved that I couldn't over the over the preparation. Now, mate, as well, just going through your distinguished career with the Australian hockey team, you've you've already done so much. The one thing that that's been a bit elusive to you at the moment is the gold medal. You've been to four Olympics. How how are you tracking body and mind wise, and and do you think you can get to another one and chase that elusive gold medal? Yeah, I think like all the hockey hockey's so great because you get to go to the Olympics and experience those things. So I've been so lucky to be able to get to four, and um, I think I think a lot has to go right. You have to be in form. You have to be playing like consistently well to make an Olympic team. So that's very difficult and. Um, like you said, I haven't been able to win the gold medal and the teams I've been in have been um, competitive and, and ranked highly and we haven't been able to do it. The one thing that I, I would have said before this Olympics and I alluded to it before was that I didn't have a... We never made the final, so I didn't have a shot at the gold medal realistically. We'd lost a couple of semi-finals and we didn't make it in Rio. So um, to be able to sort of get there and at least have a chance to win the gold medal I think was um, was a big part of what was missing for me and um i think to to get to the final and like realistically we could have we could have won that game but um disappointed still that we couldn't win the gold medal but i think at least for me i can have that feeling that we we got there and um we had a crack at it and for the future i mean i haven't really thought about it a lot like i'm feeling really good with my body and i think i think if I think about it, the, the fact that I haven't thought about stopping tells me that I'll probably, you know, I'm feeling pretty good and I'd just like to see how the next couple of years goes and then we'll, then we'll see how that takes us. And, and what's the fallout from, from the game? Do you review it now or is it just sort of take some time off, actually sort of let it soak in, the obviously the, 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 the winning the silver medal, which is a fantastic achievement, but also the heartbreak of having that chance to, to win the gold medal. Do the coaches... Sign it off uh, as you leave the the Olympic Village, or do they wait for something down the train uh, down the track? Sorry, before it's soaked in, and you actually can can go over it. Yeah, I think the the one good thing, and as hard as it is, like it's good to um, about quarantine. It's good to try and uh, do some sort of um, I think just thoughts and reviews about the whole preparation phase, and it's good to get that in my experience, impact, like sort of on a, on the record that you can look back on so you, that teams in the future sort of know what went right, what was difficult, um, what went well in preparation. So to answer your question, I think the coaches are probably having a week off and then they'll, then they'll, um, then we'll do some stuff next week, I think, with some, 
uh, obviously we're not doing in-depth reviews of the game, but I think over the whole Olympics and the preparation, it would be good to get some some thoughts and um, and down on the record for the future. Now, mate, I'm not sure if you're, you're aware, but we've been doing our greatest Tasmanian sportsman of all time. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. You're someone who's who's mentioned a lot in our social media streams, uh, but to put you on the spot, I want you to give us your top three Tasmanian sportsmen or sportswomen of all time. <laughs> top three is tough. I was thinking the top one. I, I would have to say Ricky Ponning because um, I love cricket. and <laughs> Yeah, well, I'd, I love cricket, and that, um, the age for me growing up was, um, I guess, just coincided with his whole career. So Ricky Ponting. You must keep listening to the next next part of the show because we have got Ricky Ponting, the goat of Tasmanian sport, coming up <laughs> in the next hour, which is uh, well, as you said, mate, he's certainly inspired a lot of Tasmanians in the uh, in the sporting uh, sporting sporting world. Sorry, so. Ed, thanks for uh, getting up nice and early. We appreciate it. Uh, we know you're doing it tough over there in quarantine in Perth, but uh, we appreciate you getting up nice and early for us, mate. Thanks for having me. I mean, who would have thought you'd have your own radio show? So here we are. <laughs> thanks for getting me on. Hey, we're only in week two. We could, we could fall over. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> thanks for getting me on early doors. Thanks right. for coming on, mate. Yeah, stick around. This is Jack and Payne on SEN Hobart. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne on SEN Hobart. Now, Payne, I know you're, you're well, clearly, as the Australian cricket captain, you're an avid watcher of Australian cricket. Um, and we've, uh, well, I, I am befuddled about what's happened over there in Bangladesh. We obviously lost the series 4-1, and, and I think I've got the reason for, for why we didn't perform that well, and that is... Tasmania's own and, and Hurricanes player, Nathan Ellis, took a hat-trick on his debut for Australia, which um, famously um, the bowlologist, Damien Fleming, yep. I think is the only person to have taken a hat-trick in a yeah, test match. brought him into the club. To he, he, oh, so he reached out, didn't he? He reached yeah. out on social media to combine the two clubs, the T20 on debut and the uh, test match on debut. But he did take that hat-trick against Bangladesh. And you think after taking a hat-trick, Payne, you're probably invincible in terms of selection, the next game, but he's been he got booted. He got well. He he, sorry, he got the, the official term punted. was rested. 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 Re- well, it is hot over there, Jack. Mate, it well, is four hot overs. Four overs can take it out of you. But look, I mean, it's a great one we can bring up with George Bailey when we do get him on the show as the new chief selector. He's a bit of a character, um, though, Nathan Ellis, isn't he? Oh, it, it is an incredible story for those who don't know it. Um, this is a kid who moved down from Sydney. He was told in New South Wales that he he would be no good on turf wickets because he's too short. Uh, took the punt, moved everything down to Tasmania, played some club cricket for, I think, three years unrewarded for Lindisfarne, got to the point when he was nearly going to leave um, and go back home and, and give up on his dream. And I think he had um, Adam Griffith from the then Tigers coach and Hurricanes coach reach out to him and give him a bit of encouragement. He stuck it out for one more year, uh, didn't have a job, and at one point actually had to ring Griffo and tell him that he wasn't going to make training uh, Griffo was like, oh, why is that, mate? And he, he could not, he didn't have enough money in his bank to put petrol in his car to come over to Tigers training, where he would literally come and bowl to us for two or three hours as a net bowler. Uh, yeah, Griffo obviously saw something in him. He had, he's got extraordinary skills, slower balls, great Yorker. He's built for 2020 cricket at the moment, but he's one of the great team men, L. Um, and I know that everyone here in Tassie and the Hurricanes that have played with him were thrilled not only to see him get a game, but then to see him do so well. And 
Um, look, I've, I've actually spoken to Justin Langer in the last few days and I can guarantee you that Nathan Ellis is going to play a lot more cricket for Australia. But hell of a story of perseverance. Uh, never gave up, kept believing in himself and, um, and now took a hat-trick on Dubuque and, and joins the bowlologist in an exclusive club. Yeah, well, I think that that's... Well, the, well, from what you're saying there is that his career is skyrocketing and certainly looking to skyrocket in possibly the, uh, the next summer of cricket. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here and that story you've just told could be one of folklore, and and I want to visit this later on because I saw an article in the Mercury, um, which has really taken my fancy. And we've got a, a massive show coming up after eight. We've got Ricky Ponting, of course, got David Flash Lithgow, and as I'm talking about, we are going to delve into some of Tasmania's sporting folklore. Harrison Agents to buy, sell, or rent in Tasmania. Search Harrison Agents today on sixteen twenty nine SEN Hobart. Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to the second hour of Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmanian real estate agents. Now, Jack, last week we had a conversation around Tasmania's Mount Rushmore. Today we're very lucky to have joined with us the goat of Tasmania. He is the goat, sport, isn't as, he? As voted by our social media listeners. Uh, the great Ricky Ponting. Rick, thanks for joining us, mate. G'day, boys. How are you? Not too bad, Punter, not too bad. Uh, where, do you, where are you joining us from? Because you're uh, obviously a great Tasmanian, born, bred in Mowbray, right up there, just uh, northern suburbs of Launceston. But you've, you've made the move. You've gone all around the country. Where are you situated at the moment? Yeah, made the move a long time ago, Jack. I moved away from Tasmania when I was about 26, I think, when I met my, uh, my now wife, Rihanna. We lived in Sydney for about... 10 years, and uh, as you'll be well aware, living in Melbourne, I've been in Melbourne now for about for nearly eight years. So, um, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a journey around different parts of the country, and um, I'm very happy that we're settled here in Melbourne. The kids are loving their school life here, and we've got a really good, close group of family, friends, and everything now in Melbourne. So, um, yeah, it's gone really well. Yeah, excellent, Rick. I know you've never also forgotten where you come from, and, and clearly after one episode, an avid listener of our show, I'm sure you heard last week the Mount Rushmore discussion, of which you've come out on top. We're just wondering... Uh, as a passionate Tasmanian, what, what are your top... Let's go with your top three uh, Tasmanian sportsmen of all time. Whoa, you put me on the spot here, Painey. That's how um, idea of it. You can have I... greyhounds in there too if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did David Foster's name come up in any he was, of he was on He was Painey's Good. second. Yeah, no, he had, yeah. he had a second. How many, how many world records did he have there for a while? Um, a th- over 1,000 titles. 21 consecutive. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So that's uh, it's a pretty amazing achievement. Um, I must admit, I wasn't even aware of this thing that you're talking about. I, I didn't tune into your first episode because I was a bit flat. Oh. I wasn't. Well, I was a bit oh. flat. I didn't get invited on for the first show, to be honest. Oh, we had the premiere on, mate. Come on, yeah. you, you pull a bit of weight, but <laughs> the premiere is pretty important. Um, geez, who are they? Um, well, I, I had um, I had uh, Richie Port in there as fourth. But we had Ariane yeah. Tipma. She she was the one that a lot of people have been saying that due to her oh, fantastic uh, achievements at Tokyo 2021, um, that she actually might be pushing you for for the first spot 
on the uh, the Mount Rushmore. That was controversial, wasn't it? Mate, there's absolutely, well, there's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. And probably give her one more Commonwealth and Olympic Games and she'll be well and truly ahead of probably anyone else in, in Tasmanian sporting uh, history. So, yeah, she's, uh, I mean, that was just magnificent, wasn't it? Sit back and watch her and the whole Australian Olympic team really go about their work over the over the last few weeks. I must admit, I was a little bit sceptical and wasn't really sure how the games were going to go, to be honest. But like uh, a lot of people, I found myself sitting up during the during the day most days and, and tuning in to, to watch it. So uh, that was fantastic. She re- represented Tasmania and Australia brilliantly and, and she could obviously should be in that in that conversation. So did you pick yourself, Jack? I wouldn't uh, be surprised if you yourself in there. <laughs> no, fierce. Payne had me in, but I had to um, take myself out. It would be a bit yeah. um, self-indulgent if I had myself in there. So, uh, But, but Punty, obviously we mentioned you're from Mowbray. You've played with the, the Tassie Tigers. I can remember as a, a, a young um, a young man going down, or even a young kid going down, and, and for every Christmas and birthday, we would get our Tassie Tigers junior membership, and we'd get a little key ring, and that would give us access to Belrive Oval, and I was very fortunate I didn't live too far away from there. What, what, what was it like growing up playing, you obviously played state cricket really early, but then to get onto the big stage, how important is it to, to be Tasmanian from your aspect, and, and what did that provide you growing up? Oh look! I think I was provided with absolutely as much as anybody else that was um, had sporting aspirations anywhere else in, in Australia or anywhere else around the world. To be honest, I mean, it was there was probably always a bit of negativity, wasn't there? For you know, how are you going to make it coming from Tasmania and you know, you, and all that type of thing. But I, that, I never looked at it that way at all. If anything, for me, it was always just a little bit more of a challenge, you know. Um, and, and I, luckily, and like you, Jack, and like Payne, you know, luckily at, at a really young age, I just had really good people around me that were you know, willing to help out and wanted the best for me. And, and you know, going back to the very early days of the, at the cricket club, I mean, I've told these stories a thousand times, but as a, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-old, I used to wake up Saturday morning and jump on my BMX bike and ride to all over the north of the state to um, about the only place I couldn't get to was Westbury. That was a little bit too far for me to get to on my, on my BMX. But I'd ride to every other ground. I'd be there before the A-grade team turned up. Um, I'd wait outside the change room door for them to open it up and then, I'd go in, sit in the corner and just listen to what the, the A-grade boys were talking about, about about the game of cricket that was that was sort of happening that day. And that was, you know, I, that, I just loved every every minute of that. And the closer I got to the A-grade team and, you know, I started playing a bit of junior cricket and, and they just looked after me right the way through to, you know, the age of sort of 15 when I, you know, left um, Brooks High School after year 10 and packed up a pretty small bag of clothes that I had and a, and a cricket kit and headed over to the Cricket Academy in Adelaide. And that's where things really, really took off. You know, I was hanging out with some uh, you know, guys that were probably four, five, six years older than me that were obviously a lot more advanced in their cricket than, than I was. But just to be training, you know, twice a day, six days a week in that sort of environment, you know, got just really, I guess, uh, sped up my learning processes and the learning curve to, to what it was going to take to, to play, you know, first-class cricket and then hopefully one day play for Australia because that was all I really I really dreamed of. You know, I, was, I played junior footy, you know, up until a, a certain age, but it was, you know, it was really always going to be Back cricket. Pocket, and, and thank no, nah, it's lost. always on the ball. See my big engine running down, mate. I've <laughs> lost it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that was yeah. It was always going to be cricket, and thankfully I, I chose that path, and it worked out well for me. So um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, so Rick, I had a, uh, a call from Michael Divinudo yesterday, um, and he tells me as great as your career has been for Australia and, and Tasmania, it was very very close to not happening. He said there was an alarm issue in your very first game, I think in Adelaide. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. that? I do. It was a classic painting. I was uh, Diver, so it was my it was nineteen. What was it? Nineteen ninety one season, whatever I debuted, and Diver had played 
Did was one year older than me. He played the last game of the season before. So we were the two young blokes in the Tassie team and on the road in, for game one in, in Adelaide. And uh, we were rooming together. And we'd done our couple of days of training leading into the game. Did everything right. We stayed in. We had room service in the room together. We watched the, we watched the movie. And I was left in charge of setting the alarm clock between the two little single beds. You know, you set the little table just separate them with a sort of inbuilt alarm clock. And I set the alarm clock and off to sleep we went and then sort of woke up to a ring in the morning and I leaned over to turn the what I thought was the alarm clock off, but it was the room phone ringing. Uh, and it was uh, it was shippy from the ground, um, basically, where the bloody hell are you blokes? I'm like, what are you talking about? I looked over the clock and we'd slept, <laughs> we'd slept in and <laughs> Booney was captain. So Diver and I just jumped up as quick as we could, put our, got our gear on, dragged our kit bag down to the ground and walked in. Luckily it was raining, walked into the indoor centre and all the boys were sitting in a circle on the Adelaide Oval Indoor Centre there, and Booney had basically said, if any of you guys even look at them or speak to them when these two young blokes walk in, then it's a $200 fine on the spot. So Div is 18 and I'm 17, and we're walking in. I'm trying to, I was trying to get to know half the blokes. You know, so I've been in Adelaide for two years at the academy. didn't even really, didn't do a pre-season with the boys or anything. I didn't really know half the boys. and So I walked into a pretty uh, frosty environment day one. Um, anyway, got to bat in the in the on day one with Booney for a while, I think we put on 100, 120 or something together, day one of the Shield game. And then, so things picked up a little bit through the course of the day. But I remember walking back into the hotel that night at sort of seven o'clock and I could hear the alarm going off. I set it for 7 p.m. and not 7 a.m. So, a <laughs> yeah, bit of a rookie mistake. And was Div a 12th man as well? Was it Because I think that was uh, the story that came through. He was actually the 12th, so he... Yeah, I think he was. I think I'd actually taken his spot. He played the game, the last game of the year before, and I think I'd come in and taken his spot because Booney was obviously back as well because uh, Booney didn't play too many shield games back then. So Booney was back, and I'd come in and, uh, yeah. So um, not an ideal start uh, pre-game, but thankfully we got through the game with a few runs. Well, yeah, yeah well, it sounds like you're uh, built a nice little partnership there with Booney. The, the big thing on the on the... In the cricket world at the moment, it's the build-up to the Ashes, and then obviously Joffre Archer's uh, not going to make it over here. You've seen him punter a little bit firsthand with the Hurricanes when you were coaching and, and playing there. How big of a loss is he going to be for for England? No, massive loss. He just gives them something that's a little bit different. And, you know, Payne's played with him and obviously played a bit against him as well at test level. I mean, he's, if you look at what Broad and Anderson and even... Um, was it Robinson last game? You know, you've got these guys that are sort of in the low 80 miles an hour sort of category, but he, he can crank it right up and be as quick as anyone in the world sort of out of nowhere. And he's got a bit of a nasty streak to him as well. He's, you know, he's not, the other guys are out and out swinging seam bowlers. He's just got that extra gear. So he, he sort of rounds out their attack, if you like. Um, so he'll be a huge loss for them. The other one that, you know, potentially might not be as well now is Ben Stokes. We, we understand that he's taken a, a lead from the game and he definitely lead from the game. And Gash is not that far away now. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed. Well, I certainly will anyway. Payne might, but I'll keep my fingers crossed and hope that he does play because he's one of the, the great players in world cricket, Ben Stokes. And, um, you know, watching some of the things that he did in that last Ashes series, he just looks like one of those guys that you, you want to have on your team, in your team, you know, whether it's bat or ball or, or in the field. He just adds so much to that, to that team. But, yeah, look, it's it's always an exciting time, Jack, as Payne, and as Payne would know, like any sort of build up going into an Ashes series, whether it's a home one or an, or an away series, they are extra special. You know, it's the pinnacle of our game as far as I'm concerned. You know, series against India have gotten bigger and grown over the years, but, you know, as a as a past player, there's still... I still the hairs of my neck still stand up when we're getting together for, for the first day of, a, of an Ashes test, of the first day of the first test of an Ashes series. It's, it's something extra special. Payne, you're, uh, are you sleeping a lot easier now that you know that Joffrey won't be making his way uh, to uh, out to Australia? 
Certainly am. I couldn't lie. I was asked about it last week, actually, when it came out, and it was one of the better nights sleep I've had in a long time. <laughs> um, not too disappointed that he's not here, but as Rick said, love to see Ben Stokes here, um, mainly for, for if he is here, he's healthy and he's doing well. So that, that's a really important part of, of sport is we want the greatest players playing, but um, we want Ben Stokes fit and well. Uh, Joffre, though, with it's just a little elbow injury, I'm happy for him to have 12 months out. So that will be great, Rick. Um, Obviously, the West Indies Tour and the Bangladesh Tour has just wound up. Uh, what was You've obviously run your eye over that. What was your take on that? Um, obviously, disappointing for the Australians. Yeah, very disappointing, Payne. Um, you know, there's so many names that are not there, but still, you know, with the, the teams that we were playing, and the West Indies have struggled for a long time, although their white ball cricket has always been you know, reasonably competitive. It's their test cricket has been the, um, the real drop-off for them for the last sort of maybe 20 years. But... Um, yeah, I, even with it looking at the Bangladesh series, you know, well, there's Finch not there, Warner not there, Smith not there, Maxwell Stoinis, you know, Joy Richardson, a lot of these guys. There's a lot of players that aren't Pain. there. But the thing that Payne not there, yeah, unavailable for selection. Yeah, Cummins not there. I mean, the names, they make the names roll on. But the thing with me, it almost seemed like they got worse through that series. You know, that yeah. they would have been training on those wickets. And there's no doubt that those conditions were, were really, really difficult. I think the highest score was 131, wasn't it, through the through the five games. Um, yep. And Australia only managed 60 or 62 in the last game. But that's the worry for me, that they've been there for you know long enough. They would have done some training on wickets that you would have thought would have been quite similar to what they played on. Yet, you know, the further the series went, um, you know, whether it was just a lack of confidence or lack of skill or, or lack of game awareness in, in those conditions. But um, I'm sure they would have been shattered. I, I listened to what Wadey had to say and, you know, he, he was pretty shattered, wasn't he? And, and you know, just the lack of um, know-how and skill, I guess, in those conditions that brought us undone again. I mean, that's, that's been the Achilles heel for Australian cricket for as long as I can remember is, you know, particularly probably test cricket in in conditions where the ball's turned. But I think we've always found a way to be very competitive and very good, to be honest, in, in Sri Lanka and in, in India in, in white ball cricket. But, um yeah, it just goes to show that probably the, the depth around Australian cricket um, right now is probably not where it needs to be. And, um, yeah, so there's yeah there's some work to do there. I mean, the T20 World Cup is not far away, as we know. It's just on the back of the, the IPL that's coming up in, a, in about a month's time. So um, and hopefully we get all our boys fit and healthy and ready for that T20 World Cup because I still think with everyone fit and healthy uh, in you know, in the UAE, I, I still think that Australian team can, can push really hard forward to, to win that title. Um, it's one that has eluded us in the past, but uh, let's keep our fingers crossed and hopefully put a, our strongest playing 11 on the on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Now, it was, I think yesterday or the day before was announced as well that the, some most of those players you've just mentioned that weren't there will be going to the IPL. Are you, I mean, I, I personally think that's the best preparation for them, playing on those grounds against, you know, some quality opposition under pressure. Do you think that's that's the best preparation we can possibly get for our World Cup side? Yeah, I'm glad you know that because I've, I've actually been asking that question of a few of the boys to, to see if they actually are going to come off and finish the back half of the tournament. There's no doubt it's their best preparation, Tony, to be yeah. in those exact conditions playing probably the strongest um, you know, domestic T20, T20 tournament in the world, which is the IPL. Like All the best players in the world will be there. We know how good some of the young Indian talent is. Um, and I'm just, I'm not just saying that because I want some of the Australian players there with the Delhi Capitals. But there's, it, you know, to be, it sounds like our domestic season is going to be pushed back, so there would have been no cricket to be played here in, in Australia before they went to the T20 World Cup. So preparation-wise, absolutely spot on. I, I'm not sure if there's going to be any restrictions put on um, some of the bowlers that are going. Um, there may very well be. 
Um, but certainly for guys like Smithy and Davey and Maxie and Stoyne, those guys that have been out of cricket for, well, they haven't played for probably three or four months now. They they need to get back into the groove of, of playing you know, high-quality cricket again against the best players in the world. Uh, changing codes here, mate. You know, you're, you're a passionate um, passionate North Melbourne supporter um, and obviously uh, I would say a heavy hitter down there at the Kangaroo yeah. land. But, um, I've heard unofficial CEOs. Unofficial CEO. <laughs> Rightio. I'd love to get your take on the, on the Carter report. I'd absolutely be all for, and I've been on the front foot saying it for years, I'd love to see a Tasmanian team or Tasmania represented in the AFL. That'd, that'd, be, that'd be awesome. Make it make the team up of half the boys from North Lonnie and we'll be halfway there. <laughs> well, so I actually thought right at the start you might put a few of them in your Mount Rushmore. I was expecting Jason Gibson or Marcus Todman. Archie Bolton got in but... there nearly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Rick, you touched on North Melbourne and the power that you yelled there behind the scenes. Um, what have you made of of their rebuild? That's looking very very exciting. What they've been able to do in the last sort of six or seven weeks. Yeah, it, it has. It's actually been a lot of fun to watch, Penny, to be honest. I mean, it's it, the results are obviously not there just yet. We've sort of four wins in the draw so far in, in this season. But I think it, it's looked quite drastic. That, and Jack's obviously just played against them on the weekend. But it, it's from where they were at the you know the first half a dozen, six or seven games of the season, where they were you know, getting 100 points kicked against them every game and then not being able to score. It's, and, and you can see even with the way some of the last couple of games have, have gone, you know, they were really in the game against Geelong, weren't they, down at, at Blunston. Um, and they really they stuck to a certain game plan and style right the way through the game. Even even though they you know they were getting behind in the game and the game was slipping away, they they still wanted to play their way and their method and you know trying to get back in through the corridor and play fast moving attacking footy through the middle of the ground. And that was the same against you guys on the weekend, Jack, wasn't it? I mean it, the game was slipping away, but they they stuck to it. Looks like a real teaching method that Noble sort of got in place there. And, and you know, some of the midfielders, especially, I think I, mean, I think I think Simpkins a star. I think Taron Thomas is. Like if he's not a you know getting gone to that sort of A grade sort of status now, will be in in 12 months' time. Um, David Uniac's been really good. Uh, some of the young blokes that they've debuted this year as well have, have looked like they're up to the mark. Phillips and Powell and these sort of guys, um, Lazaro and you know, so there's, there seems to be you know, and they seem to be look like they're really enjoying it as well. I think at the start of the season, you know, it looked like there were a few shoulders were slumped and they didn't really know where they were going. But it seems like the direction now and the path that they're on um, it looks really exciting. So, but there's still the concern for me, Payne, is you know, Josh Kelly was sort of linked to maybe wanting to come uh, back yeah. to Melbourne, but that one's another one that slipped through. So they just haven't been able to you know, land that really big marquee signing from another club that they've chased for the last five or six years. You know, they went all out for Dugowie and went all out for Kelly and. Well, Dusty was very close Dusty, to going, yeah. as Jack would, as Jack would Jack know, but that other land. That, um, um, so, but it's, yeah, it's been, yeah, it's, it has been fun to watch, I must admit. In, in, in lockdown, I look forward to the, the Friday nights, Saturdays and Sundays, and just sit and watch uh, half a dozen games of footy over the weekend and probably have 100 bets on the races. That's about all I've been doing for the last, <laughs> last few weeks. Last one for, for us, Punter, and... Um, you, you you obviously speak very humbly. Um, you are you are the greatest sportsman to ever come from from Tasmania. You've raised from humble beginnings. Your parents are absolute champions. Um, the the one question that I that I can't answer is how how does someone who is born and bred salt of the earth end up um, having their own winery and uh, wine uh, brand? <laughs> we had a, a prop put to us uh, a couple of years ago about what what, what do you think about um, having your own label and. I thought about it for about five minutes and ran it past Renner and said, yeah, let's do it. Um, why not? You know, we, and any, any time I go into anything like this, you know, whether it's a sponsorship deal or into a business thing, I want to make sure I've got the right people around me and, 
uh, an ex-Mullet Hennessy guy. He's one of our other um, investors in the business. And, and Ben Riggs, who's one of Australia's best winemakers, is based in South Australia. We've got those guys involved in the, in the business. And you know, we've got a, a couple of Tasmanian wines in the, in the line as well, a Tasmanian Chardonnay and a, and a Pinot Noir, obviously both from the north of the state for the first couple of vintages. And we'll look to, to get some grapes and some some. Um, one from the south of the state probably next year, but it's given us a real passion and something to work on through some, some pretty tough times. We really do appreciate you joining us here, mate. Um, you've certainly made a, well, certainly made my day coming on the radio. I really appreciate it. And growing up as a young Tasmanian and a lot of kids all around the country, not and, and the world, sorry, have idolised you and your cricketing ability. We appreciate you joining the show, mate. No, it's been an absolute pleasure, boys. All the best with everything, and I'll hopefully catch up with uh, both of you in the not-too-distant future. Thanks, Rick. Too, mate. Well, we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Jack and Paney on SEN Hobart and around the country on the SEN app. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today on 1629 SEN Hobart. Jack and Paney with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Paney right here on SEN Hobart. And Paney, I, I came across this on the Mercury website. This has been titled Tasmania's Most Amazing Race. In 2007, I'll, I'll, I'll paint the picture for you here. Simmons Plains where a lot of the uh, cross-country running happens. In 2007, the boys' three-kilometre, 12-year-old cross-country race was run and won by a guy called Matt Hanson. Now, Matt Hanson is not a... It's not a, a massive name, but he is a South Launceston TSL Premiership winner, three-time Werribee Breast and Paris winner, three-time Team of the Year. Now, from all reports, I've heard he's got had a massive, massive engine. Here are some of the other names that finished behind him in this race. Stuart McSween. All right, we all know Stuart McSween ran fantastically well in that Olympic final, 1,500 metres. Jacob Bertwistle went to Tokyo as an Olympic triathlete, and he's a Commonwealth Games gold medalist. Scotty Bowden, who is currently riding in, uh, riding sorry for a second-tier team over in France, and is a Rio Olympic cyclist on the road and the mountain bike. Alex Pierce, uh, centre half back for the Fremantle Dockers. Adam Gorry, um, who is an NPL Tasmanian winner, FFA Cup quarter finalist, and Tasmanian state representative. Eli Templeton played footy for the Saints, currently plays for Port Melbourne, and has been a three-time VFL Player of the Year. Jake Foon five-time North Launceston TSL Premiership player and is the captain of North Launceston. Joshua Belts, uh, one of Eddie Ockenden's teammates, uh, won a silver medalist at the Tokyo Games. That That is just an amazing list of 12-year-old boys that have gone and met in this point of time in 2007 and, and run around Simmons Plains. Pretty hard to, to, to fault that one, isn't it? It's the stuff of legend. It really is. I don't know where he's dug this up, Stubbsy, but you've got to give him some credit. Um, it's deep, isn't it? I've got how so you, many how questions. Do you, how do you find that out? Oh, well, first, that's my first question. How do you find this out? Secondly, I'm, I'm looking at Stu McSween there and I'm thinking, how's he not won that? <laughs> has he has he run the, the maybe the 15-year-old the race or the 13-year-old race beforehand and this is the cool down, but he's an Olympic finalist. He's arguably the greatest 1,500-metre runner we've had for certainly the last couple of decades and he hasn't won... His 3K time trial as a 12-year-old. I'm putting it down to it was a cool-down for him after the main event. I'm impressed with Alex Pierce, who's finished seventh. Let's be honest. He's a key position. How, how big is he, Jack? He'd be bigger yeah, than he's uh, nearly 200 centimetres. He's nearly the prototype centre-half back for, for, for the AFL at the moment. But um, poor old Joshy Belts, he's finished 96. So, that, so they were f- first, second, second, sixth, 
Seventh, tenth, eleventh, thirteenth, and Josh Belts for the Kookaburras representing finished ninety six. He might have nearly left that one off, to be honest. But I, I want to take this somewhere, and we got an absolute. Uh, well, we got a, a really good run out of our Mount Rushmore, and, and to the point where Sen uh, nationally have actually picked it up and taken it and stolen it as their own as well. Yeah. But I'm thinking, um, I'm thinking, I would like to hear some folklore stories, some 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 of the stuff from the deep depths of Tasmania, and no doubt there's some local heroes that have done amazing things in in the journey and in a lot of sports as well. I want to hear a, few like, a bit like the, the Nathan Ellis story that you shared with us just yep. before. Just those bits of gold that they may be fabricated. They may be That's true okay. with a little bit of mail on them. I want to hear from, from our people out there, our listeners out there, their, their best folklore stories. Yep, absolutely. Could be that country football legend. You hear them all the time. You've touched on a Nathan, Nathan Ellis story. I know our very own David Lithgow. There's one very, very famous story about Flash wearing his three-quarter tights, which I'm sure that's some true. Of our I've seen would it. Love to tweet into Sen Hobart if you can. But while you are tweeting those in, if we can have other guys, other people tweet in these folklore discussions. We had Gutman last week with. as well with the Queen. That was the best one. That I was unbelievable. From, yeah, that's probably probably started there. But yeah, you're right, Payne. I want to hear from from our fans out there. Get on board. It's time for some headlines. Harrison Agents. To buy, sell or rent in Tasmania, search Harrison Agents today. On 1629 SEN Hobart, Jack and Payne with Jack Revolt and Tim Payne. Welcome back to Jack and Payne with myself, Jack Rowett and Tim Payne. And thanks to Harrison Agents, Tasmania's real estate agents. Well, this man needs no intro, even though he does have his own one. And that, of course, is David Flash Lithgow. Flash, how are you on the ground down there? Good morning, Jack. How's things? It's um, it's one hell of a song. But well and truly above my um, pay grade, but um, what a start. We're not paying you, mate. So there's uh, there's everything's <laughs> above your pay grade, mate. I want to get your thoughts on the uh, the initial well the initial findings from the, the Carter Report. Um, what have you made of that? Well, obviously, the first thing we saw last night was Tom Brown's tweet mentioning the fact that, you know, there is a loose recommendation, but I guess if it is a, to be uh, a team outside of Tasmania, let's say North Melbourne, Gold Coast, etc., that's a viable option. Um, and then we saw a little bit later that, you know, a Tassie team is well and truly on the table. Well, you know, my understanding certainly is this afternoon there will be an announcement and, and a Tasmanian team... Uh, will be, I guess, granted um, the ble- the wishy, the best wishes, the blessings, if you like, from Colin Carter to to have a team, and and so we should. I, I think it's interesting that we still hear that talk of relocating, and I just don't understand how it still exists, Jack. To be quite frank, because I think the the general census now from Tasmanians is that you just need that carrot, don't you, for the young kids, the 10, 11, 12 year olds. We've all got mates with kids that age. I certainly do myself, and. And the love for other sports, etc., is it's never been higher. Um, and you've got to dangle the carrot for boys and girls, young Tasmanians now. So I think the only way it will happen is with a standalone team. I think that's what everybody would prefer. And it, look, it's pretty exciting. Suddenly now we have all these options opening up. What's happening with the state league? Are we going to go back to regional? Do then the Tassie VFL team? We talked about that with the Premier Peter Gutman last week. Well, certainly you guys did. Um, you know, and then do you get a Brendan Bolton back to run the program? I mean, it's so much, so much things and so many spin-offs from all the things that we heard last night and what we hear today. Touching on their local football and in amongst all of this discussion, yep. there was some stuff in the Mercury this week from Nick Probert, who was a big part of putting the TSL 
back together 10 years ago, I think it was. His now recommendation is that we probably go back to a regional sort of setup and a, and a feeder VFL team as a step towards getting that AFL team. And it's really hard to argue with him, isn't it? Because you look at local footy now, where it is, for example, and what's really happened in Tasmania. For example, if you go and watch an old Scholars game now, you'll see six, seven blokes in every team that really should be playing start-leg footy. You know, I could talk about down at um, Hutchins, for example. You know, Shawnee Willis and Harry Nichols hasn't played footy for a while. They're, they're proper senior footballers at state level. So we've really lost um, that intrinsic nature of, I guess, a club... You know, a club within a club. And, and look, at the end of the day, Jack, I mean, do people want to travel to Burnie, Devonport, which I know hasn't happened for a couple of years, but Launceston's still two and a half hours away in a bus. You get your, you get your systems right again. You give the kids, the 18, 19, even the 20-year-olds a carrot dangling, and that is to play against Werribee and the Swans and Gold Coast in that V-full, Neeful range. And, and then we work towards the Tassie side. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty obvious pathway for mine. The name Brendan Bolton is, is, has come up, and it's on the Mercury website again there, as someone who should be targeted for Tasmanian football and, and coaching in that aspect. The, the other name I want to throw in there is Jade Rawlings. Do, do you think... Will the first coach of uh, the Tasmanian AFL team be the VFL coach that, that, that takes on that, that role in, say, the next 12 to, to 24 months when, when we do get a VFL side? I had that exact chat with a former Tasmanian player and coach yesterday. Um, and Jade Rawlings is an interesting name, isn't he? So well-rounded, a terrific career on an, on the field with those three clubs he played for. But he certainly been assistant coach for a long time over at the SANFL this year. It must be hard juggling his life at the moment. He's got a family in Launceston, little kids, etc. What a great name to get back. But th- that suddenly we've got these conversations, Tim, we can now talk about, and these great names. By the way, look, we're watching what's happening with Carlton at the moment. Let's be frank about this. Brendan Bolton's tenure, or his legacy, if you like, looks better every day. Now, I certainly haven't been in the rooms with David Teague coaching, yeah. for example, but you know, I, I guess a lot of us that sort of knew Brendan and, 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 and talked with people in the inner circle felt very disappointed for him that he couldn't really finish that journey. Again, I think his legacy looks terrific today. I mean, Carlton's legacy, on the other hand, the last two or three decades has been borderline appalling, and I don't think there's any argument for that. Yeah, can't can't argue. I, I did do a little bit of work, actually, with Bolts when he was uh, coach of Clarence, yeah. and you could tell he had that real teacher background, that real uh, educator type of style. I'm not sure if it's if it's worked at AFL level, obviously, but if we're talking about someone who, who yeah. is going to come to, back to Tasmania, take over a VFL program, Develop our young kids and then build other guys to be ready for an AFL team, an AFL career. I think he'd be a fine choice. My only thing is there is is when we get to that AFL team and you're building a franchise, do you need the name? Do you need a big name to make a splash to to get headlines? I mean, can you imagine a Alistair Clarkson or a Chris Fagan? Come on, Chris Fagan. Chris Fagan would be terrific. But you know, I think when you're going to start a team from scratch. Be great to have a Brendan Bolton, a, a Jade Rawlings in the background and helping out, but I think for your senior coach, you want so that really experience. So what you're saying is, you don't think Brendan Bolton and Jade Rawlings offer enough to be a senior coach of a Tassie team? Is that what you're suggesting? Not straight off the bat. Well, I'm saying uh, you do sort of what the Giants did, put a Kevin Sheedy in, a name that creates some real energy around your club, knowing that you've got these two guys in the background ready to go in a year or two. 
Look, it's an interesting discussion. Um, I know a couple um, coaches that have been at Carlton uh, over the last five or six years. That Jack might even want to do it. Who well, knows? Absolutely. Know. That's a question I'd like to pose. Maybe he has a year in him at 36. I mean, your old man played to his 36. Everyone in your family did pretty much. So maybe you could... I don't see. I don't think you can do it. I, I don't mean, think so, David. But uh, the, just... the off-field stuff, is, and this is the other one that I, I want to pose to you as well. Do you go after someone like a Brendan Gale? Now, Brendan Gale's been floated yeah. as arguably the next AFL CEO. Absolutely. And, and has been in charge of the reigns here, well, reigns at Richmond for, for the best part of, or certainly longer than a decade now. You get things right off the field, they tend to go right on the field. Is he, is he the one that you'd aim for for CEO? Oh, of course you would. I mean, look at his record. But wouldn't you, if, if you're in the AFL system, wouldn't you be looking at him as the next candidate to run the whole show? I mean, he's got such a, an amazing resume, a bloke from the coast, the northwest coast, such a traditional uh, footy club in Penguin. Um, he would be absolutely ideal. Jack, I'll ask you that one. Knowing him, what would appeal more to someone like Brendan Gale, taking over from Gill and running the AFL Good or building an AFL team in Tasmania from the ground up? Look, I, I think um, I definitely think that, that the chief Brendan Gale is he's a clubland man. There's people that yeah. that need to be a clubland. They need the the week to week battle. Whilst not going out to play, there's still there's still the battle between the opposition, and he yeah. thrives on that. And I don't know whether the the CEO of the AFL gets that. Um, they get there at the end of the year, and they look at the numbers, and they look at the the forecasting, and that's their win. Um, but I think he'd be a fantastic inclusion and a very, very passionate, proud Tasmanian as well. That's the one thing that you get him back there in a heartbeat for mine. Look, it's sensational news regardless, and that's what we know. And it's going to happen. You know, I think we can talk with it with some real excitement about it from a Tasmanian perspective. We're going to have a team in the AFL. I reckon even, Tim, you'd say yourself, if we went back five, six, seven years ago, we might have talked with the passion about a Tasmanian AFL team for whatever reason. We're too small. We can't... You know, business-wise, we can't handle it. It's such a changing city in Hobart. You've got the facility in Launceston, which is absolutely outstanding. The bottom line is the kids need the carrot. I, you can't say that more, that they need to grow up as, again, young boys and girls. And we talk about the Tassie VFL women's team in the same light. The opportunity to do exactly what their heroes do, and that's... That's what the Jack Jumpers are doing, you know. Let's let's not sugarcoat. I mean, they've got a free hit down here for a couple of years, and I know. Again, we I mentioned it already, but so many of our friends' kids, they love basketball, and they love the NBA, and they can watch it during the day, you know. And so it's a real challenge, and it's going to happen, and it's darn exciting. Yeah, I'm the same as you all. I think since I've been a little kid, I've dreamed of the day when. Our kids will have an, an, a Tasmanian AFL team of our own. And you, you imagine a Bell Reeve over or Utah Stadium, absolutely chockers, supporting a team wearing the map, I think. Um, you know, it's just going to push football to another level in this state. Look, I think going forward, you know, over the next few weeks, we'll have to get your uncle on, Robert Shaw, of course, a former Tasmanian coach. There is nobody more um, proud of Tasmanian. He had such wonderful success back in... 1990 against the Vicks, you were there running on the ground with your little ferret brother. Ran out, ran out. Nick ran out with the boys through the... Set the tone, Flash. Yes, I was on the grandstand <laughs> with the old man. And, and look, it, it's it's got to happen. It's going to happen, and I can't wait to see it happen. Flash, can you give us an update? Last week, unfortunately, the game between Collingwood and Hawthorne was cancelled uh, due to the COVID situation there in Launceston. Got the Hawks and Dogs playing in Launceston. Uh, still going ahead? As of this morning, it is. And it's funny, I didn't expect that to happen. I just assumed what we saw last weekend, it would be the same this weekend. I mean, it's a, it's a great thrill for the people of 
of Launceston to catch the Bulldogs. I mean, they're they're going really well. I mean, they're probably one of five, six teams that can win it. Sensational. So let, let's hope it goes ahead. This is such a fluid thing. It can change in the next hour or two, as we know. It's come up on my desk that uh, there's a push for cricket to be included as an Olympic sport in Los Angeles in 2028. How, how do you feel about that, Payne? Can you hang on till then, or...? Or you more is it games, an Olympic Games in Los Angeles? Oh. I'll be doing everything I can to hold on, or I'm going to accelerate the coaching credentials and see if I can get on it. But uh, yeah, I think it's exciting. I think T20 cricket in particular would be appealing in the Olympics. It'd be, absolutely, um, something that I know cricketers would absolutely jump at the opportunity to go and represent their country at Olympic Games and try and win a medal. I mean, you saw the uh, the elation in the Boomers the other day, even winning a bronze medal. How much it meant to those guys. So. Um, the Olympics, as we saw over the last few weeks, it's it's a different sporting event. It's something that everyone wants to be a part of. And as cricketers so far, and Jack, as AFL footballers, you, you, you don't get the opportunity. So I know that cricketers will be jumping at it. Uh, I wish it was 10 or 12 years ago, but um, yeah, I'd love to see it. It's an interesting one. And same with the, with the girls and the ladies with netball, isn't it? Can you actually justify an Olympic Games when... You don't have the South American teams or the, the North American teams, etc., or major European countries playing. Um, I guess from an Australian perspective, we'd love to see both. How out many there. How many basketball teams went to the Olympics? We've had this discussion. A lot yeah, but so how so, many? Well, it, it, just a simple number. How many went? Well, there was twelve, and okay, I think, so I think we, two, we could get twelve cricketing countries to go and compete. Sure, same with the handball flash as well. I think two hundred plus sides tried to qualify for. Yeah, but that's fine. Basketball. You can have a million, but you only need twelve. Well, and, and we've got 12, have we not? Oh, is, is there a play here? Is there a tactical play for... We all know that Brisbane are going to be hosting the Olympics <laughs> in 2032. Is there a tactical play here to go, oh, we'd love this at Los Angeles, knowing that if they'll probably be rejected as cricket as a sport in an American Olympics, but the Australian Olympics followers around it, that we may have cricket at, at arguably... Well, we've got the, the certainly the ground capacity here to do it in, in Brisbane. Oh, look. Come on, David. Do, do we actually think the cricket's going to be in LA? Are we going to be talking about Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, and Carla Jewell? Like, and I love no. Carla Jewell, by the way. And <laughs> no. I, that's how highly I think of him. I think he could play for Australia one day. But it's look. I think you draw it straws. I, I just oh, don't. I think it gets in. I, I think just it had gets three in. on three basketball, at the which Olympics is appalling, push. by the way. And I cannot believe three on three basketball. Now, you guys know I'm a basketball purist, purist. Why that was well, in the, the jury's out on that. Well, anyway. <laughs> why the basketball <laughs> let itself do that, I'm not too sure. But look, let's hope it does. I'd be certainly keen, avid watcher. I would love to see it in. I'd love to see the ICC scrap the twelve, the T20 World Cup, yes, and just have it at okay. the Olympics. Okay, well that, that's that's your T20 World Cup. Well, it's a it's a bigger carrot to dangle because we're we're in the, an era now with Test cricket, One Day cricket, T20. I think we've gone the full circle, Jack. As a fan, you'd probably agree that. We've come back now that Test cricket is what we want to watch again, I reckon. And so where does one-day cricket fit in? Every four years, we'll turn it on and watch the World Cups. In between that, are we actually watching? I'm not sure we are. And T20, it's in a similar boat in terms of, you know, we almost love the domestic series rather than the international series. It's a really funny place. I'm with you. Test Uh, cricket all the way. Test cricket all the way for me too. Uh, Interesting... I've heard a whisper on this one, Flash, and I think it might be one for you to do a little bit more digging for us. James Faulkner remains unsigned at the moment for the Hurricanes. Where does he sit? Arguably the, the finisher and, and, and probably past his time, prime, but he's surely due to get another contract with the Hobart Hurricanes. I, I would have thought it was a, a no-brainer for mine. Now, obviously, James has had some injury history uh, over the last few years. We know about his 
arthritic knee, etc. Before he pinged his hammy at the start of the, or mid, I guess mid-term of the BBL season last year, he was outstanding. He was opening the bowling, bowling well. And I think on the back of making some runs in club cricket, you will remember Tim, of course, he made a couple of hundreds for uni. His batting looked to be coming back to where it was. And then we've seen the recent uh, Pakistan tournament in the UAE. He, look, he was absolutely outstanding. He's a Tasmanian legend, James Faulkner. Now, he sh- should he have played more test cricket? I think he, you know, I think he's a very unlucky in many respects. He didn't play more when he got that opportunity. Uh, his body's let him down a little bit, etc. But I look, I'm such an advocate. You've got to try and have as many quality Tasmanian people in this team as possible. So that's Watch a really space, interesting one to monitor. Watch this space. I think I, the just just had a little mm. whisper, little whisper that. He may not get a contract. He'd be great to go, actually. We, we, I'll, I'll push. Oh, well, Payne, you've oh, got no, a connection. I, I can tell you one thing, Jack. He has been offered a contract. He's been offered a contract. That, well, there that you go. is fact. I know I can tell you he has been offered a contract. He's not happy with it. There's wow. no movement. All right. Well, let's let's stage. get him on. Let's get him on we'll next him week, on next and, week. He'll, and we'll hear from the horse's mouth what, what's going on with James Faulkner and, and the big bash which is coming up at the at the end of the season. Now, Flash, well, would you like to see him in Tim? Would you like to see him? Oh, play? absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. One of the things. Yeah, you know, you've touched on it already. James Faulkner at, at at thirty, thirty-one is a is already a Tasmanian legend. The stuff that he's done in his own career, career the stuff that he's done for for Tasmania, uh, and the short time he's been back for the Hurricanes. Uh, yeah, I'd be bending over backwards to make him happy to keep him a part of my team because he's he's someone that Tasmanian fans love to go and watch. Um, World you know, he's Cup, a man boy. Of the match. World Cup man of the yeah. match in two thousand and fifteen. As you said, he, he's starting to get back into some really good form in the last twelve months. I've seen it firsthand playing with him in club cricket. Um, yeah, and I, and I think, well, I know at the moment it's a, it's a really sad situation that it's unlikely, I think, that we'll see him in the Hurricanes gear next year. Disappointing. Yeah. Look, we've got to the end of the show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Jack and Paney. Thanks again to Harrison Agents. Uh, we love we'll Harrison Agents, don't Friday we? Next Friday from 7am on SEN Hobart and right around the country on the SEN app. Head to sen.com.au to catch up on all the podcasts and all the highlights of the show. Uh, we look forward to chatting next week. I yeah, can looking forward to it, Jack boys. Live in the studio here in Hobart that David hasn't got the three-quarter pants on. I'm but looking forward sure to this. Don't forget. He's got them on next week. On the app. Uh, get on social as well. Go the Tigers as well. Don't forget that.